0: After reviewing the play, the call on the ice stands. We got a goal! Okay, fellas, we are set to go. Let's go! We are kicking. Watch the blue! Yeah, yeah. There we go. Yeah, baby! Number 47 for Boston. Both guys, five minutes each for fighting! Please
1: move in. please move and play oh, the I'm not going to that I made a mistake. I think I'm bang on man
0: It's the middle of April. Normally, we'd be into the Stanley Cup playoffs, but of course, this has been a year like no other, which is following the previous year like no other. And I don't really mean that in a good sense, Josh. We're, We're still having difficulties and frustrations, but we hope everyone's doing well, you're safe, and... Let's keep moving in the right direction to get past the pandemic and get into some fun and enjoyable times with a little less safety concern on everything that we do.
1: Well, you've you've got safety concerns in real life that we have to worry about, but it'd be nice to just have to focus on the player safety concerns on the ice once in a while.
0: And we have a few interesting ones this week that we're going to get into. Of course, we have all of your favorites. All your favorite hits are back again this week, which involve hitting, as a matter of fact. But we've, I think we've, we've gone a little deeper into the well with a few topics this week.
1: Yeah, I, I think just with what's been going on around the league and the types of hits we're seeing and the types of suspensions and non-suspensions, I think sometimes you, you do need to take that more detailed look, that additional coach's challenge, if you will.
0: The Scouting the Rest podcast is brought to you by Manscaped. There are special savings for you with our partnership with Manscaped. If you use the code REFs, that's R E F S, you will receive twenty percent off your order, and you will get free shipping. Now, in the in the last couple of days, I have discovered new benefits to the Manscaped products. Of course, there's the, the fantastic trimmer that works great. It's got the task light, which still, still amazes me that no one thought of this previously <laughs> except Manscaped. So you, so you get the proper view of the undercarriage, landscaping for proper you get We got the new weed whacker that was sent to us a little while ago. Uh, it is pretty much foolproof, this trimmer, which is, is perfect for me. Now, here's the thing that I, I didn't really think about until now how compact, how portable, how transportable these products are. Because I hit the road a couple of days ago for a long journey. It's going to be for several weeks. And now you wouldn't think of letting your lawn grow wild and uncontrolled for three to four weeks. Now, would you? I mean, you'd have the neighbors pretty ticked (laughs) off, I think, John.
1: Yeah, absolutely. They'd They'd be furious pounding on your door. And hopefully they're not checking in on your undercarriage to see your grooming conditions there. But you definitely don't want to let that go. And one thing I've been amazed with, Todd, I got the weed whacker. I've got the trimmer. I gave him a charge when I first got him, and they're still going on the first yeah! charge.
0: It's, it's incredible, the, the staying power that they have. So the, the, they're portable, they're transportable. So if you're going on a long journey, you just tuck them in your bag, throw them, take them with you. It's, it's easy. Spring is here. Clean and clip. It's, it's, a, it's the perfect play for everyone. Make sure that your personal lawn is also taken care of, as well as your lawn at home. It, too, needs proper nurturing and proper care. We remind you again, use the code REFS, R-E-F-S, at manscaped.com, you get 20% off your order, plus free shipping on the Weed Whacker and any other product you order. Do it now. Please make sure you're following us on our social media channels. For Josh, it's at ScoutingTheRefs on Twitter and Instagram, and for me, it's at Todd Lewis Sports on both Twitter and Instagram. And yes, we accept old-fashioned email as well, heyref at ScoutingTheRefs.com. Okay, on this week's episode, how do I know? Call tech support. Good hit? Bad hit. We're not sure. If you know the answer, put your hand up. I was told there would be no math, and I can't kick it in, but you can kick it in. Are you intrigued yet? I am. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's get into a couple of these. Uh, first of all, first off, we we ended last week's episode with would there be a suspension? What was going to be involved in the hearing with Jacob McDonald? He got two games for his hit on Ryan Hartman a week ago. I know it's over. I know he served his suspension of two games. I saw the explanation video. I watched it. I listened to it. But I'm telling you, I'm still not convinced that this is a suspendable hit. And maybe there's greater explanation needed. Maybe there's a little study. There's a little more clarification that can come both in the rule book and in the video that accompanies the ruling from player safety.
1: It's it's a tough one for McDonald. I mean, looking at it, when I first saw it, Todd, my instinct was the shoulder came up. He connected with the bottom of the head. You You could see the head whip back in the video. And you saw the head move independently of the torso and shoulder, which is indicative of head contact more so than a hit through the shoulder. So that's what sold me. After talking through it with you a little bit, I I wasn't so sure given the limited video angles that we had on where was that contact. And when we talk about player safety, you know, they're looking to see if it's a suspendable hit. And then if it is, you know, what, what was the hit? What rule was broken on the play? Where was the contact? And in this case, they felt that the head was the main point of contact, not primary, not initial, but the main point of contact. So given that I totally get it. Looking at the replay again, man, it, it just makes me wish I had a clearer angle or a different angle to to see that contact. But I, I can get where they're coming from, especially with the way Hartman's head snapped back on the hit. I will
0: cut them some slack in the sense of erring on the side of caution. And if... If there's a a little bit of gray area in that sense, I I can forgive that. And you're right, we are limited by the number of camera angles. If there was an opposite side camera shot back at the hit, I think that would have answered a lot of the questions a little more clearly. And I think we also get confused, or at least I do, and I'm easily confused, by main, primary, principal points of contact. Because each one, the definition is a little bit different.
1: It is. And when it comes to illegal checks to the head in the National Hockey League, they are looking at the main point of contact. It's not the primary point. It's not the first point. It's specifically the main point of contact on the hit. So you could have a hit where there was contact with the shoulder or the chest and contact with the head, and it could be deemed to be the the main point of contact on the hit. So it's not necessarily what the player hits first, there's not a math calculation to say that the head absorbed 51% of the hit, so we're going to call that a headshot and have those calculations in there to try to make that determination. It's, it's a tough call. That's why I think player safety sticks with the head being the main point of contact and that the contact is unavoidable. So that's really what they're looking at there. Now, if you want to dig into the rule book and find any clarification on what defines a main point of contact, you're, you're not going to find it.
0: Yeah, and I, th- I think that's where the, the difficulty is for me. So another hit that, that also got a lot of attention, certainly on social media, was when Ryan Reeves of the Vegas Golden Knights had the huge blow-up hit on Jordan Gross of the Arizona Coyotes. There was no penalty. There was no fine. There was no suspension. There was plenty of outrage. Now, was this hit completely legal? Was it okay? It appeared bad just as the the hit on Ryan Hartman did. It appeared bad because Ryan Reeves is a behemoth of a man and his arm looked to be tucked in tight to his body to me, but it also appeared as the impact of the hit was delivered, his elbow was almost touching the chin of Gross.
1: Yeah, this was a tough one. It was an ugly hit, like you said, Todd. You know, you don't want to see a guy down on the ice injured. But when you look back at it, you have to really analyze the hit and break down what was illegal about it. It wasn't a late hit, so we've got that out of the way. His elbow does come up, but it looks like the elbow comes up on the follow-through of the hit. We see Reeves brace his body and and move up, but he's not leaving his skates as would be necessary for charging. So what is it about this hit that makes it illegal? It does appear that there was head contact. So let's dig into the rule 48 for a legal check to the head. And we've got contact with the opponent's head. The head was the main point of contact. I'll give you that. And such contact of the head was avoidable. So this is where I run into the issue with Gross. Reeves has every right to deliver a legal hit on the play. And we've got Gross following through on a, a pass or a dump out of the zone that kind of leaves him in a vulnerable position. He's a bit crouched over. He's following through on the stick. So his head and his shoulders, his whole upper body is a bit lower than it would be if he were standing normally. And that's where 48-1 section two comes into play, where the opponent put himself in a vulnerable position by assuming a posture that made head contact on an otherwise full body check unavoidable. That's what I see happening on this play. Reeves was going in to deliver a body check. Gross put himself in a spot where his head was lower, and that's what caused the contact there. I'm not saying he's at fault, but there would have been no way for Reeves to deliver that body check legally without making contact to the head. So... That's where I see the rule coming into play. And I'm sure if we could get player safety on the phone now, that's what they'd be citing in explaining why there was no suspension or even a fine for Reeves because by the book, there was nothing illegal about that hit.
0: No, as you explained the rule clearly, there there is no area that crosses over the line to make this an illegal check. Again, though, maybe we look at examining players that are in vulnerable positions. I mean, because you can't, you can't have Gross pull up and, and stop to protect himself. He has to keep playing at that point. If you, if you have players stopping and pulling up, you're going you're gonna to create a whole other set of issues. But may, maybe there's a further examination that we can look at in terms of when hits are delivered, how they're delivered, and, and players that are in vulnerable positions as they, they play, with, uh, play with the puck on their stick or they're engaged with another player.
1: Yeah, I think that's a valid consideration. I think that's more of what USA Hockey has done when it comes to head contact. Remember, in the NHL, the rule is for an illegal check to the head, which the implication being that there are legal checks to the head, which there are. Not every check to the head is an illegal check to the head. And I think that's where we run into the issue of the rule book and the competition committee, the GMs, and the boardrooms around the league where someone needs to say, We don't want any head contact. That's the only way we're going to change this. Right now, player safety has the rulebook that they have to operate under, and so do the NHL officials. So it's really, it's up to the suits to decide whether they want to take these hits out of the game. And this goes back to earlier this season, the Armia hit, where he was hit on a play where, again, head contact was unavoidable. He was injured on the play. But it fell under legal check under the rulebook because of how it's written. So if that needs to be changed, people should not take up arms against the officials or player safety. That one, that one goes to the boardroom because that is a rule change that needs to come down from the league.
0: They are calling the rule changes as written. This is the Scouting the Refs podcast. It's brought to you by Manscaped. And get your special savings now when you go to manscaped.com. Use the code REFS on your order. You will receive 20% off and you'll get free shipping as well. Now, I I asked you about this one the other day in a quick text exchange, I believe. And I don't recall ever seeing this particular set of circumstances happen. There have been rare instances of a coach having a discrepancy with the lineup card that's filed and the actual players on the ice. We've, we've seen it once in a blue moon. There's actually been a player that gets pulled from a game because of a mistake that was made. But last weekend during the Flames and Oilers game, this was a different kind of lineup issue. Calgary coach Daryl Sutter was quite emphatic in pointing to his lineup card and discussing it with the referees. But it turns out Edmonton's coach Dave Tippett did fill out the lineup form correctly... But there was an issue with the app, and that's what caused the headache. I didn't know that rest were tech support, too.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's not in the job description, but apparently more and more of their time is being spent, whether it's working on mobile devices to review calls or now troubleshooting apps to make sure things get updated properly. Definitely a new one for me. I know it's something that the league rolled out at the beginning of the season. It's supposed to make things easier. And I guess it mostly does. I don't know how many lineup changes after warmups have been an issue, but, but this was certainly an, an interesting one. And of course, you know, Tibbet wanted to make sure he he voiced his complaints quickly because you, you iced the wrong lineup. You're getting a bench minor penalty for that and definitely don't want to put your team in that type of spot where you're starting the game shorthanded simply because the app didn't refresh.
0: So do you think they told them the same thing that every IT or tech support department says first? Did you try rebooting it?
1: <laughs> uh, unplug it, <laughs> plug it back in, <laughs> reinstall the app, please.
0: Yeah, that's what it's come to now. Okay, um, there's there's a few other unusual things that that happened this week, I also noticed another post that you had on social media. It made me laugh, and it's still making me giggle. So I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna mention it again. I, I don't remember which game it was exactly, but it doesn't matter because it happens every in every game that this situation occurs. This happens. Anytime a puck goes over the glass and out of play, in unison, the opposite team <laughs> members on the ice raise their hands to indicate that it went right out and it should be a penalty. Now, this is very helpful of the players, don't you think, in doing this good deed to assist the officials on uh, the ice?
1: I love it. I, it cracks me up every time. You, you watch guys the whole game, and they're they're engaged with the puck. They're hitting players. They're focused on their game. But, man, that puck goes above head height, and the arms just shoot up to, to signal the puck <laughs> out of play. It's like all these guys are just dreaming of being linesmen. I love it.
0: That's exactly it. They're, they're, they're perhaps planning for another career later on in life. Me, I, really wanted, I love playing in the NHL, but I really want to be a linesman. Don't hey, you think you, that's you're,
1: it? You're joking about that, but if we see it at the lower levels, I know the NHL has been doing some very heavy recruiting of officials from former high-level players, so perhaps that's not so far-fetched.
0: Uh, the other one that got a few people's attention was Columbus Blue Jackets forward Max Domi, who had himself a little incident in the game versus the Chicago Blackhawks. He was pursuing uh, D-man Connor Murphy behind the net. Uh, and after getting the stick parallel to the ice, giving a little tug, well, well, the referee's arm went up and signaled the hooking call. Domi didn't like it, went a little further, hunting down Murphy again, gave him a cross check that was hard enough to break his own stick. That's another two. He kicked it up a notch as he grabbed Murphy, starts ragdolling him, throwing a few punches for good measure. I think Connor Murphy did get his gloves off, but just barely trying to defend himself. And in the end, Max Domi gets two minors and a 10-minute misconduct. Now, watching this play, could this have been interpreted a little differently? Could there have have more or perhaps fewer penalties called
1: or more minutes? Absolutely, there could have. And typically, we don't see that. You know, it's it's not like when you get pulled over by the police officer and you get cited for every little thing that they found. They might cite you for for one thing here or maybe uh, maybe they let you slide on on certain things here. And I, I think that's what the officials did here. They gave him the initial minor, which was called for the hook and and then the follow up minor for all the rough stuff for the shenanigans that ensued after that. But with the gloves dropped and punches being thrown by the book. They could have had a, another call on the play. I mean, I, I initially missed it and said, ah, 2 5 and 10, and it wasn't. It was 2 2 and 10. So, <laughs> miscalculation there.
0: <laughs> you do math like I do.
1: <laughs> so, and I don't know. We don't typically see it. I mean, we've seen plenty of instances where a guy is taking liberties post whistle and maybe he gets a minor penalty and a 10 minute misconduct. We don't see every tic tac infraction of, well, that was this and that was also roughing. And then, you know, he kept at it and he threw punches. So, If you really wanted to be nitpicky and call a two minute for rough and then a five minute for the fight for dropping the gloves and throwing punches, it would be surprising to be called at that level, but it wouldn't be unjustified. Interesting, interesting.
0: Okay, now here's another unusual one, and this seems to be the theme this week. The Philadelphia Flyers and Buffalo Sabres. Well, both teams could use a break just about every night, and in this game, I guess maybe the Flyers got it and the Sabres didn't. The play is in the Buffalo zone. The puck is shot toward the front of the net, where Flyer captain Claude Giroux goes hard to the net. The puck is redirected into the goal as the net comes off its mounts. So, a few things here. Does the puck enter the net before it becomes dislodged? And how does the puck go into the net? Turns out it went off a player's skate. Well, of course, there can't be a distinct kicking motion as well. And this one is a little bit different. As you watch the replay again and again and again, you think at first perhaps it's Clo Giroux's skate, but it's not. It's Claude Giroux who kind of sticks his foot out. And the puck redirects off Jeff Skinner of the Buffalo Sabers Skate and goes into the net.
1: Yes, there was, to me, the possibility of a distinct kicking motion on the play. But that kicking motion came from Claude Giroux. So that that changes things up a bit. It wasn't Skinner kicking the puck. It was Giroux kicking, uh, or at least attempting to stop. But it was his motion of his skate that propelled Skinner's skate forward, which propelled the puck into the net. So a perfectly legal goal. Now, if you took the inverse of it, if it was Skinner who kicked a defending player's skate, that would be a distinct kicking motion. That could see the goal being waved off. But when it's a defending player who's kicking, the offending the offensive player is not responsible for that. So this is a good goal. And this is one of those situations where you're right, Todd, you've got to break down, OK, how did it get in? And this was a deflection off a player's skate. The defending player was responsible for how that skate moved so we're looking at that, that being good and then did the puck cross the line before the net was displaced which it did so no issue there but I, I i did hear some feedback about well why don't they challenge this Well, you can't challenge it you can challenge goaltender interference you can challenge offside you can challenge a missed stoppage but the provenance but the the responsibility for reviewing that kicked in and did the puck cross the line in time that is all handled by hockey ops they do that for each goal and and uh, it's not up to the coaches to decide if they want to take a second look. They, frankly, don't have the option to do so.
0: Very interesting. There's a lot of layers to that one in in that particular instance. I'm glad you broke it down. So <laughs> here's another here's another weird one that happens uh, the the other night. It, it was it was a really cool play actually. Sidney Crosby gave his stick to a defenseman in his own zone that had broken his uh, or lost his on the play. It's the right move. The forward always passes the stick to the defenseman because they need it more. But the puck then clears the zone and heads the opposite direction, and Crosby sees an opportunity for a two-on-one. Only problem is, he doesn't have a stick anymore. So he changes the angle he is skating up the ice to go by the Penguins' bench, On the ball, equipment manager John Taglianetti reaches across the boards, gives Crosby a new cue, and of course, he does the rest, skates in, and scores the goal. After the celebration, of course, Sidney skates to the bench to do the high fives down the line, and he recognizes Taglianetti for the assist. It's a great play, and it is perfectly legal.
1: Yes, that is how you do it it was entirely legal. We've seen Crosby get away with generously flipping sticks to his teammates in the past, which is not legal. Not always called, not always caught, but that is not. This, however, getting a stick from the equipment manager on the bench is perfectly legal. Under 10-3, a player who's lost or broken his stick can get a replacement by having one handed to him from his own player's bench by a teammate on the ice or picking up his own stick so those are the three ways to get a stick back you can't flip it you can't pass it you can't throw it through the air but you can do a drive-by on your own bench to grab a replacement on your way into the zone so great move and uh brilliant brilliant attention to detail by the equipment manager there to have that stick ready to go and ready for Crosby just to drive on by and pick it up en route to a goal
0: and that's the amazing part is everyone on the bench is into the game. And that includes the equipment staff, the training staff to be on the ball like that. Good for them. Then they should give them an assist on the score sheet. Yes. At, at least <laughs> I I think that for that one, a couple others now involving the, the Toronto Maple Leafs and one involves a goal, goal that was scored that nobody recognized until, oops, the horn sounds. Maybe we should have a quick look at this. Alex Galchenyuk of the Maple Leafs did score against the Winnipeg Jets, but the puck was in and out in an instant.
1: Yeah, that was a fun one. Usually when somebody scores, like that. The player knows it. The teammates know it. The opposing goalie knows it. But everybody's body language on the ice was reflective of him hitting the crossbar. So everyone missed it. Even Galchenyuk looked like he was about to celebrate and then just kept on playing. So interesting to see how it played out. Of course, nice to have the league buzz down and stop play when they confirmed that it was a good goal. You know, you don't want to have anything else happen because the potential implication there. If they've missed it and we keep playing, and, and Winnipeg had the puck in the attacking zone. So mm-hmm. let's say Winnipeg goes and scores a goal there and they realize that Galchenyuk had scored minutes prior. Winnipeg's goal gets wiped out completely because play would have stopped at Galchenyuk's goal. So had that play ended with a Jets goal, we would have wound the clock back. We would have wiped out the Winnipeg goal, awarded the Toronto goal, and you would have gone one nothing one way to one nothing the other way. So good that the league stopped it before Winnipeg scored. Not that they would have, but holy cow would that have been something if they did
0: <laughs> it certainly would and then the same game as a matter of fact zach hyman of the maple Leafs got dinged or it's been ruled he's going to pay a five thousand dollar fine for a high stick on neil pionk of the winnipeg jets he kind of got twisted around in in front there was a, a lot of pushing and shoving looking for looking for room out in front of the net and i think he was trying to slash pionk but it kind of caught him up high and it was a high stick and rightfully so he should be punished for that
1: he should. You're always responsible for your stick. And I, I know most folks know that it was a pretty tough spot. Uh, Hyman was taking a whole boatload of abuse in front of the yeah. net. So I, I, I get where where he's coming from there and fighting back and, and, you know, picking up the penalty on the play, but it clearly uh, a high stick, a flagrant one as he swung downward across Pionk's face there. So it, it could have been worse if we weren't wearing visors, it, it probably would have been. And one that can't go unpunished, but man, I, i just look at that play and think if they had called some of the abuse coming the other direction maybe it wouldn't have gotten to that point but that's where we run into that that threshold of where's the line for the roughing the cross checks the wax and slashes in front of the net that we see night in and night out and it wasn't called and and this is what it led to
0: we have seen a lot of highly unusual in this week's edition and it's all about finding the line what's above what's below and well what crosses the line i guess
1: The Scouting the Refs podcast is brought to you by Manscaped. Get 20% off and free shipping with code REFS at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use code REFS. That's R-E-F-S. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped.